Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs Construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Marlowe with CBIA, and today we're joined by Brian Zellman of Zellman Real Estate. Brian, welcome to the BizCast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are really excited to have you here. We've been reading a lot about some of the projects that you've been doing um, around the state, and we definitely want to talk a little bit about those. But first, let's start off and uh, talk a little bit about you. So you are born and raised in Connecticut? Yep, born and raised in Bloomfield and live in West Hartford. And tell me a little bit about how you broke into this uh, real estate business. Um, I guess I've always been interested in real estate from a, from a young age and kind of took a circuitous path uh, to real estate. Started uh, as a broker um, in the residential side of the business, quickly migrated to the commercial side, doing land development deals um, and representing tenants uh, primarily in the retail space. Uh, and quickly from there, the retail tenants relationships moved into development and we've sort of you know migrated to multifamily lately and from the the get-go kind of did you start on your own or had you been working with um, another firm i mean i've I've always sort of worked with partners in in one degree or another but really in you know in the real estate business especially in the beginning in brokerage you're really you know you're, you're still on your own to to a great degree so tell me a little bit more about um, that transition from kind of, you know, the beginning stages to really getting to that business, to that multifamily. Yeah, um, we were working on a healthcare project in Bloomfield and there was a piece of land uh, that I had known the family who owned it for many, many years. Um, and no one could re- really figure out what to do with that land. Uh, and at the time, several multifamily projects had been developed uh, in, the, in the area and one specifically in that town, uh, at least up very quick and sold very quick. Um, and, you know, it just kind of planted the seed that this could be a good opportunity to, to do multifamily. Um, and, you know, those projects take a long time. So, you know, we're, we just completed that project. So that was about three years ago. So after getting started on that project, you know, a, a year in, a lot of other opportunities in that same space started to present themselves. What kind of opportunities does that present for um, the business as well? you know, making that expansion to have all of those different options. Yeah, I mean, tremendous. I mean, there's there's a lot of different spaces within multifamily. I, I know, uh, you know, we've, we chatted about uh, affordable housing. You know, that's one piece that we're just dipping our toe in now. Uh, you know, geographically, you know, there's, you know, there's a, there's a big shortage of housing across the entire country and in Connecticut. So, you know, geographically and then, you know, demographically, there's just a lot of different product type that can be built. What are some of the new projects that you're looking to do? You said you just finished that up. Tell me kind of about the expansion efforts now. Yeah, well, we have a couple projects in, you know, in construction or uh, mobilizing shortly for construction. We're under, uh, under construction in West Hartford on a mixed-use project. Uh, right on Farmington Avenue, so it's uh, you know very sm- small boutique, uh, high-end, 48 units, over 10,000 square feet of uh, of commercial. Uh, no amenities in that project, unlike the other projects, because West Hartford Center is the amenity and the accessibility to, and walkability to everything else there. So that's sort of a, I mean, it's suburban, but it's really an urban type project. Um, and you know, this fall, hopefully, we'll be breaking ground in East Hartford on about 400 units. Uh, the redevelopment of the former Showcase Cinema site. Uh, and that's on 16 acres, 
uh, probably about eight residential buildings. I mean, it's very campus-like, um, but we're not just going to create a flat sea of asphalt. There's a lot of uh, thought that went into you know, creating a landscape and an environment to, to really build a community. And what kind of, you know, when you're, you're, you know, looking at this, you're building these things previously commercial, you, you know, you see the impact and now you're in these giant housing units. Um, what do you see as the, the real impact and how does it impact your work? Uh, I mean, you're creating housing for folks, but you're also creating something that, you know, is going to, you know, last several lifetimes, hopefully. So, you know, to be able to have an impact on, on the landscape, literally, you know, we, you know, we have to take that seriously and make sure that what we're designing, um, you know, something that, that fits the, com- the, the greater community um, and, and is welcome. So, we're, you know, we're always just sort of reading the landscape and figuring out what the best, uh, you know, really what the best fit is. Uh, yeah, I think when we talk about the movie theater, you know, that so many people know that they've driven by that and now there's going to be this new housing there and that creates some sort of a, a buzz in the community to really help uplift, I think. I, there's no question about that. I mean, that project was sort of born out of a Silver Lane Corridor study that was done uh, and this project is designed to be the catalyst for the revitalization of, you know, of Silver Lane. So the town just took possession of a shopping center out front, which they're going to be demolishing, and hopefully that will be retail. You know, with all the new residents, there'll be, you know, there'll be demand and need for retail. Uh, and I think the intention is for that, you know, development to continue down, you know, down Silver Lane. And affordable housing, as you touched upon briefly before, it's really been a big conversation starter right now in the state of Connecticut. So what do you think the impact will be as, you know, you and, and other firms start to really focus on this? Yeah, I mean, I think the impact will be, you know, tremendous. There's a lot of challenges. Uh, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of units that need to be built, uh, and we're losing units as as time goes on. So, um you know, I, I think the impact is a little bit of, of, of catching up and providing opportunities for, you know, for folks to live in the communities that they work in that they've, you know, potentially been priced out of or to provide, you know, really new housing stock. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's more demand than there is for supply of affordable housing, but the product that's out there is, you know, it's old, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Some of it's been reinvested in. Um, but, you know, the, the demand for market rate housing and affordable housing is so great because we haven't built uh, at scale in Connecticut for a really long time. Do you think that there's some sort of a, a misconception? Oh, absolutely. And that's, you know, I think that conversation is bubbling to the surface a little bit. Um, affordable housing is, is, you know, is really, I mean, it de- depends on the, you know, the percentage of AMI that, you know, that you're looking at, but it's really um, workforce housing, ge- generally speaking. Um, you know, police officers, teachers, firefighters, um, you know, folks who are just starting early on in their careers and they're going to, you know, and they're going to grow and they're going to grow their incomes. Um, and that's, you know, to provide them, you know, n- new housing to live in while they become part of a community and move on in their careers. And I'm sure going from, you know, doing a lot of commercial to now housing, um, multifamily housing, there's a little bit of a maybe a learning curve or some challenges that have been presented. Uh, there's always challenges, right? <laughs> if, uh, I mean, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. I mean, it's kind of cli- it's kind of cliche, but you know, we've really uh, had a lot of success uh, with public-private partnerships. So, you know, for the most part, the projects that we've engaged in, um, you know, have incentives, you know, from from the town and the state uh, that make the projects work. 
Uh, a lot of that is are based around tax deals, long-term tax deals. Uh, East Hartford, you know, we're buying the land from the town. We've got some some state and some town money that's supporting the infrastructure for the project, and we have a 27-year uh, tax deal. Um, so just being able to navigate those, um, you know, with the team that we have with us, with the attorneys and and towns that are engaged and and, and get it, um, is really the only reason those a lot of those projects can be successful. And I assume then that's gonna how it's gonna keep being able to be move, move forward as well. Yeah, yeah. And you, look, you have communities that uh, that get it, and they you know, and they want to be part of that. Um, and then communities that don't get it, um, or you know, and then somewhere in the middle, you have communities that get it, but you still have a lot of nimbyism uh, in Connecticut, whether it's for market rate housing or affordable housing. You know, the old the old sort of concern was that it's going to bring families, uh, a lot of families into town and it's going to overburden the school systems. Well, the data for the most part uh, over the last 10 or 15 years has shown that that's not the case. So that's, you know, less of a concern now. Um, and I imagine, you know, throughout the process, those are some of the things that you have to take into consideration when you're looking, um, you know, about the landscape. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I said, you know, we want to be a partner with the town. Uh, to build a community within the town's greater community and we have to read the tea leaves and figure out what you know what the town's looking for what the community's looking for and navigate that i mean it's always a little tricky you're not going to make everybody happy but you've got to sort of find the path of least resistance to provide you know what the market needs yeah and sometimes you probably have a bit different vision than what the town has and what the neighbors have but it's really really coming together and collaborating yeah i mean some of it is education on our part to, to you know to the town and the various stakeholders but a lot of it is you know us just sort of being open and, and, and listening and, and reading even early on before we go in and maybe educating them on what they really need as opposed to maybe what they think they need and maybe this kind of goes into some of the answers you know that you just said um, but what do you think has made you successful, especially with this first project and, and getting more projects to come in this multi-family housing space? Yeah, I think um, uh, perseverance, uh, collaboration. Uh, you know, I mentioned the collaboration with the, you know, with the towns and the various stakeholders, but on our end, uh, you know, these projects are complicated to execute. So collaboration with our partners, you know, our engineers, the attorneys that are involved, the, you know, the architects. Um, you know, j just to design something that fits, uh, you know, that literally and figuratively fits the, you know, fits the landscape is a challenge. And we, we couldn't do that without really, a, you know, a united team uh, that sort of buys into the vision and, uh, you know, and everyone's a part of executing it. Are there any challenges that you've seen, you know, because of where we are right now coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, specifically? Uh, for sure, for sure. I mean, the supply chain. Uh, and the and the pricing was a huge you know a huge challenge, uh, and it and it still is. Um, you know, rents have been increasing tremendously, so that's helped to offset the those challenges. You know, for the most part, I think the you know the pricing is now a little bit consistent. We're hoping it may come down, um, but still the predictability and the availability of you know of materials uh, you know is, is still uncertain. Um, but sort of the monkey wrench you know of late are interest rates. Right, so you know, re you know, rents went up to cover the cost of construction, uh, but the cost of capital has ch changed tremendously in a very short period of time, uh, and that's you know that's made the economics of, of some deals not really pencil out, um, or you start planning in you know in a year later when you're ready to put a shovel in the ground, the, the projects don't work. You know, you need to come up with more equity. Uh, the banks are more cautious, um, so it's never easy. Yeah, so many challenges <laughs> thrown in your face at once. Sure. And 
you know, being able to take take a look at them, overcome them, takes a lot of, of work and, like you said, perseverance. Yeah, well, and, you know, and sort of looking into the future and build, and this, this is a challenge, um, you know, with a lot of the stakeholders and the towns and the incentives is, um, you know, building in a big enough cushion where, you know, a year out, things are going to change. But if they don't change, you know, folks are saying, well, you have too much of a cushion. We're giving you too many incentives. And we're saying, you know, we're trying to position ourselves where, you know, when things change, we can still be on track. Yeah. And we've seen so many projects be delayed consistently because of, you know, supply chain issues with materials, um, just as is one example. Yeah. And, there, and there's other examples uh, that are just a constant challenge is, you know, is infrastructure, um, you know, water, sewer, electricity. Uh, you know, just, just by way of, of example, um, you know, e energy, solar, uh, EV, you know, I believe at the beginning of the year there were, there were new mandates for electric vehicle charging. We were already going to implement electric vehicle charging. Um, we had to go back and modify some permits and that triggered a new requirement that 10% of our parking spaces be EV capable. Uh, so again, you know, fun, you know, funds that we weren't prepared or, you know, or hadn't budgeted for a project, even though we were already going to implement EV. Uh, just, you know, new, new burdens uh, sort of in the middle of the process. So, you know, predictability on, on all of these things is, is really key. You know, if, uh, you know, if someone could tell us what the landscape would be two years from now um, and we could figure, you know, calculate that in today, you know, we'd be hitting the finish line uh, or the starting line and then the finish line, uh, you know, more often than not. We all want that crystal ball, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just about <laughs> finding it and, you know, like you said, you can project as much as you can, but then you have to sell your predictions to someone else. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, that I, I wanted to talk about a little bit was uh, property taxes. It's a big, uh, it's a big challenge and a big burden and the uncertainty of property taxes. Um, in the projects that we've been able to, you know, uh, set long-term fixed tax deals, uh, there's, we've created a lot of certainty. There's communities that want housing, um, but you know, the, you know, building something and then sort of guessing at what the taxes are going to be. You can get a project finished and then figure out the taxes are higher than you projected and, you know, you're really not going to make a lot of money or they're going to be okay and the project's going to do, going to do well. Um, you know, that's a, you know, it's a big burden on, on all multifamily real estate. I think if, you know, if there were, if there was more predictability and sort of more engagement from towns on setting, uh, you know, tax fixing deals, I think you'd have a lot more multifamily housing. Uh, being planned. Do you think that's one possible solution really to help get these projects moving? For, for sure and that that's really what uh, you know uh, you know that's it's really what you know towns that are you know are in favor of it and we can educate them on the need for that and other towns who don't you know they don't get it uh, and they're just not going to be the beneficiary of new you know of new housing. Shifting slightly, has workforce, um, you know, we hear all, of, all across the state, especially with construction too, about workforce shortages. Has that impacted you at all in your timelines? Um, timelines, not as much as pricing, right? I mean, if the, if the trades are in more demand, uh, then you're going to pay more for them. Okay. So that's another area, that, you know, the, the circle that's happening. Yeah, right? for sure. Okay. For sure. Uh, recently, you um, were re featured in the Hartford Business Journal's Power 25, so congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Um, what, what do you attribute some of that success, some of you, that you, you've obviously had a lot of success, what do you attribute that to? Um, 
you know, really, I think, you know, partnerships, you know, col collaboration. I mean, I couldn't do any of that on, on you know, on my own. Um, you know, shared shared vision with, you know, with, with various partners, um, you know, perseverance uh, and just vision in general. Uh, you know, one thing that, you know, that we didn't touch on is, you know, sort of the, the macro opportunity, um, you know, for housing and, and redevelopment. And there's a lot of development going on in the state or redevelopment, um, large scale that maybe people don't realize relative to, you know, to the last 20, 30, 40 years. But a lot of our communities were built in the 50s and 60s, you know, the main streets and they were the places for, you know, for shopping and congregating. Um, and as we've sort of grown and expanded and, and retail has changed even before the advent of the internet, but now, but now with that, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to sort of really remake and repurpose, uh, you know, Main Street, quote unquote, in, in a lot of these suburbs. And that, to me, that's sort of an opportunity that I've seen that I think is unique and, you know, and I, um, I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of really reshaping these towns for the next 50, 60 years. You know, folks were trailblazers back then. There was nothing. You know, you had highway exits that were, you know, empty farms. Um, so someone created something and, you know, we can, I, I now can look back and see how that changed as opposed to folks just creating something from nothing, but be able to, um, you know, being able to, you know, have a hand in shaping that future, uh, you know, is, you know, that's super rewarding. And that's something that you're going to continue to look to do. Yeah. As you expand. Yeah. So um, right now in terms of business, are you, what portion, you know, is this multifamily housing and then commercial? Are you still kind of dipping in? Yeah. I mean, it, it ebbs and flows in each one. Uh, we've done a fair number of healthcare. Uh, you know, uh, developments over the years. A lot of it was, you know, transactional. So we built a fair number of urgent care, um, you know, as healthcare changes or, or you know, That's what or, I yeah, as healthcare changes, urgent care is really now the front line where people get seen and, and there's a learning curve there, but the pandemic really opened up everyone's eyes to that, you know, to that need. So, you know, there, there, there was, there's growth, there was saturation, and now that's sort of uh, e equalizing. I think there'll be more opportunity there, um, but that's kind of quiet for now. Um, and we have some other retail stuff that we've, you know, and, you know, healthcare and retail sort of merged and some, some pure retail stuff that we're doing out of state. Very exciting. Yeah. I, and when you talk about out of state, are you in like the New England area? Has that grown too? Uh, a little bit. I mean, we just finished a healthcare project in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, we've done some stuff in New York, uh, but we have a project in the Carolinas uh, that was just really opportunistic, uh, an area with tremendous growth. Um, and we got turned on to a piece of land down there that was surrounded by a significant amount of new housing, and they need basic services, grocery store, retail, et cetera. Um, so, we, you know, we, we went and sort of, you know, dove into that and are, you know, pursuing mass, really master planning, uh, the, you know, this piece of land, changing the zone, working on infrastructure. Working now in other states, is there anything that you learned from that experience um, that you think could help Connecticut? Um, <clears throat> that can be a loaded question. <laughs> uh, look, yes and no. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to go backwards, but some of these, uh, you know, specifically North Carolina ver versus some other states that we worked in that are, you know, that are also mature markets, um, you know, they've planned uh, their infrastructure and their transportation infrastructure, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years out. You know, we probably did that 40 or 50 years ago, and now we're, you know, and now we've hit saturation, um, and you know, and that's a challenge in some projects here. Is you know, is is infrastructure, is, you know, is it taxed? You know, is there is the water and sewer maxed out? Can we not really add to that 
system where in those markets um, it may not be ready today, but they have a plan that's going to that's going to get it there. One of the things that you had mentioned, you know, in terms of the business end, is being able to predict what's going to happen, what the needs are going to be, um, you know, and the costs and problems associated that may arise. But you've also been able to, you know, make some predictions about what's going to happen and make some leaps. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's really about having the, you know, the, the network. Like I said, we're opportunistic um, and that, you know, when an opportunity presents itself, ha you know, having all of the right people that we can, you know, sort of work with to dig into that opportunity and figure out, a, you know, if it's worth taking. I mean, there's a lot of risk in real estate, so, you know, we're risk takers. But so looking at opportunistic, you know, you got you to gotta manage and calculate your risk as much as possible. Um, but, you know, the network that I've, you know, that I've built, um, you know, enables us to, to, you know, to take those risks, but, you know, but manage them and, and calculate them. Yeah, I really think that's so interesting. When we first sat down and you were talking about being from Connecticut, you said it's that network that you've created that has now been able to help you throughout every aspect of your career. Yeah, and some of that is, uh, you know, is the network that I've been building, you know, my whole life here. And other, uh, you know, other parts of that is the network of people that we rely on every day for, you know, for the projects that we, you know, plan and then design and then build. And, uh, you know, those partners of ours have really sort of grown with us. Um, so we're all sort of growing together and, and constantly learning from, from each other. And as a result, we're all having successes. So is that maybe a lesson that you, you know, would, sh would share, um, keep that network intact um, and, and growing? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just, you know, every opportunity to, you know, to meet someone new, you know, in, in the industry or even outside that can have some, you know, effect, um, you know, you know, there's always a piece of knowledge to be gained or, you know, or, or a name to call down the road when, you know, when a problem arises and we say, hey, uh, you know, I remember that person had a solution for something, you know, similar. Maybe we can, you know, put two heads together and solve it. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review and let us know if you have ideas for a future podcast. For a full list of episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.